think all the little guys can head out. All right. Well, good morning. Thanks to you guys for leading us. Awesome. Some of you know uh, my friend Dusty. He works uh, in town here. He's a builder, and then he's a, a ski instructor during the the winter season. Dusty's a tough guy. You know, he, he's in he's in the, the elements all the time. You know, his hands are rough. He's just a he's a man's man. I think. We went over to uh, their house a few weeks ago. They just had their new little bitty baby. He and Annie and. Uh, frankly, honestly, if you know Annie, she's as tough as Dusty. <laughs> in fact, I remember I was in a bike race on the mountain a couple of years ago, and, and uh, I thought I was doing pretty good. And, and then here comes Annie, who, was, who took off about two minutes behind me. <laughs> tough lady. Pass me. Uh, anyway, um, I'm still dealing with it. <laughs> yeah, she whooped me, but I, I, re- I respect her. We... Uh, we were at their house, and we had dinner, and we were holding the baby and all that. And, and then Dusty says to Michael, my son Michael, who's uh, eighth grade, says, you want to uh, play some video games? He has a big screen and the Xbox and all that. And Michael says, yeah, I'll, I'll play something. And Dusty goes, cool. He says, what do you want to play? And, and Michael said, you choose. And, and Dusty said, well, if I choose, you have to agree to play. And, and Michael said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do whatever you say. So they get up, they go around, and we're... Where their table is, you can see the, the TV and everything. Uh, Dusty says, and I don't know the exact name of this game, but basically it's Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> so, okay, tough guy. Chooses Dance Dance Revolution. And it's one of those things where you don't actually have to hold any controllers. And Michael's like, okay, I'll play. So here we are, we're, we're all sitting at the table. And here's Dusty, this tough guy, doing all these moves. And Michael's fighting back, and Dusty's taking him. Yeah. It was really fun. We all laughed really, really hard. It was, a, it was fun. It was really, what was really cool, though, and I'm sure you understand what I'm trying to say, it was really cool to see this guy, 35 years old, or however old Dusty is, um, just playing with a kid and having fun and going all in with it, you know? And it was just a, and, and Dusty is, follows Christ, and he's, he's just a guy, I, I admired that, and when I watched him do that, I thought, you know, I, I'm inspired by that kind of person, you know? who just, he, he wasn't concerned about his identity or anything cool with a kid or me or anybody else. He just was loving Michael. And that was cool for me to see. And it was just an example. And, and we, uh, as humans, we like to see examples like that, encourages us and moves us on, right? Today, we're going to take a look in the scripture. And if you want to turn there, it's, uh, it's uh, Acts 11. And the place that we're going to be is, is like we mentioned earlier uh, when Chris was up here, we're going to be looking at this guy named Barnabas. And we've seen some people already as we've been going through Acts in the first few chapters. We've seen Peter and we've seen John. We saw Philip as he reaches out to this Ethiopian eunuch. We've seen, uh, there was another one in there, I'm blanking out now, but uh, we've seen several people, but we haven't actually stopped to take a look at them more in depth. And so that's what I want to do today is just slow down as we have just this week and next week left in Acts. So let's, let's look at Barnabas for a minute and see what we see in this guy. Let me read through the passage with you. It's just a few verses starting in 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen 
That's Stephen who was uh, uh, martyred for, for Christ. They traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Basically, they're going north, out north in that direction. Speaking the word to no one but Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke with the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of those who heard believed and turned to the Lord. And the report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. A great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and brought a great many people and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So Barnabas is going to oversee one of the most important transitions in Christianity, in this early church. And the more I learned about this, uh, the more striking it became. He's going to help move the church from this homogenous group of ethnic Jews who have become Christian and now follow Christ. He's going to move, help move that group to a eth- totally ethnically diverse group that's going to reach out to all kinds of people all over the world. So this is a major hinge point. And if you were here last week, you saw how Peter started that process. He, he moved from Jews to speaking to Gentiles people actually fairly nearby. But now here, here, this is a total transformation. This is where the church actually launches out. And Barnabas oversees that. It's a pretty fabulous place, I think, to be. One thing, though, that I, I wonder if you've noticed as we've gone through the book of Acts is that Luke tells a story of Acts with uh, ethno-religious perspective. So, if you look back and you think about each of the things that's happened in the process in the book of Acts, they surround certain ethnic things that are happening. So you have stories about certain ethnicities and you have the thing happening in Jerusalem where all the people are coming to worship. And then you have talk about Samaritans and you have Philip. And remember, Philip is a Greek Jew and all these guys that were Greek Jews were chosen to be leaders, the seven so there's this group of them, and then there's the Ethiopian, right? And he keeps pointing to these different groups. And then there's last week we talked about Cornelius, and he's a Gentile. He's a Roman. So all of these different, do you see how I'm saying there's these different ethnic things? And this was a normal way that they told stories back then, because everything was based on ethnicity, based on ethnicity. And so they, uh, it was very normal for them to hear stories like this. But here is the amazing, I, I, and there's no way I can tell you this just right. It's been, they've been, Christians have been identified up to this point, like all the other religions. They're ethnocentric. They're Jewish ethnocentric, okay? They're all about that. But now this transition is taking place where it's no longer about um, being Jewish, but now they're called Christians, they're called followers of Christ, and so there are all kinds of people now. 
all kinds. And I'm not going to go into all the things that where we see in this church in Antioch. This new church in Antioch is totally diverse. I mean, black, like African black, Jewish, uh, Italian, I mean, uh, Turkish. It goes all over, the, and they're all together. It's fascinating. And this is where they're called Christians and not just it's not just coming right out of Jew, the Jewish heritage. So huge change. And, it's, and y'all, it's why we're here now. Because I don't know how many of you guys are Jewish. Anybody Jewish? Anybody grow up Jewish? Okay, so thank you, Barnabas. All right. So, uh, you know, it says that uh, a lot of people are coming to Christ. And this transition is happening. And it had to be an exciting time. And as we've preached, been preaching and learning through the book of Acts, and I've been speaking to you about it and thinking with a lot of you out loud about it, it's exciting to me because when I think about the people in Obi Joyful, I don't think we're reading Acts and we're studying Acts, but nobody's getting it or nobody is interested. But I feel like when we're talking about this stuff, everybody here that I'm visiting with is engaged in that and is saying, you know, we understand that it's not just about us. And we can be excited about this movement out. And I think, and I've said this several times, but I really think that our community, our city, is very much like this, the community of the early church. Our schools, every, every place that we're in and workplace, our friends, it's so much like the, early church, the community and the situation of the early church. And if God can do great things and see lots of people come to know him then, it can happen now. But the church has to be ready for that. To be, you know, we're known for our differences. We're the, even Tyler this morning, we're going to have all the three churches get together. The Catholics, the Baptists, and the UCC. We're known for our differences. That's the beauty of this situation. They were Christ followers. A part of the followers of Christ, Christians. That's cool. All right. Now, so what, what I want to do is uh, I want to I ask, you know, why? Uh, I want to do two things. Uh, I want to show you um, the setting that they were in and, and let it kind of resonate and see if it makes sense to you about where we are now and what was happening so you can understand what Barnabas is facing. And then I want to look at four characteristics of Barnabas that I want to encourage us to be inspired by. Uh, to look at this guy and say, you know, I, I'm motivated. Like, almost like what I saw, you know, in, in my friend uh, when he was hanging out with my kid. And when we put somebody up in front of us as an example, it's not to say, hey, you're not good because you're not like him. You don't have these things or you're not gifted like this. So to make you feel bad or make me feel bad. I just, I want to, in fact, this is going to date me. But when I graduated from high school in 2001, um, I'm kidding. Uh, there was a, uh, hey, why are you laughing? Stop that. Uh, now, when I was a, I don't know, junior or senior in high school, there was a basketball star uh, in, in North Carolina. His name was James Worthy. And James Worthy was awesome. And James Worthy did, was like the, the new power forward. There was no such thing as that until him, really. And he, the thing that he could do 
is he was on a fast break. He would step on the line, the free, like he'd be going down and he'd, he'd jump from the free throw line and slam the ball. It was awesome. I mean, it, nobody did that. And I remember thinking, man, if I could just be like James Worthy. And so, you know, I worked, I jumped and I jumped and I did leg press and I worked and worked and worked and worked. And when I finally did actually slam dunk a basketball, it was awesome. But compared to James, it was lame. <laughs> but he inspired me, right? I don't ha- I'm never going to be James Worthy. I'm missing a lot of the characteristics. <laughs> but he inspired me. And that's, so, you know, do you see what I'm saying? I don't want to throw out a guilt trip. You're not like this guy. I want to say, hey, look at this guy. Let's be encouraged. Let's, let's sit at his feet. Let's find out what he's like. Let's learn from him. Let's say, you know, I see these great things and you mentor me. Show me what you're like. Well, um, so let's, let's look at the setting for a second. This was, these people, it's written to people who are being exiled for their faith. So think about that for a minute. Most of us are in this place because we chose to be here. Just because we wanted to be here. But these people are pushed out of their homes. And they're, where we are in Antioch, they're 300 miles away. They've been pushed out. They, they could have recanted. They could have said, hey, you know what? I'm just going to stay here. So I try to put myself in their place. And even as they're being exiled for their faith. Now, this is hard. This is a hard life. Because they didn't have cars to drive them to Antioch. They're walking the 300 miles to Antioch. Right? Most of them. In, but on the way, and when they're in this new town, they're actually telling people about Jesus. Even though they're persecuted, they're still telling them. Now, that must mean that they're finding a lot of comfort and joy in their relationship in Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? To be exiled and still be telling people, and it says people were coming to know the Lord. So even in their, I mean, I, this is a hard thing to be kicked out of your home, to leave it all behind and move out. And yet they're still winning people to Christ. Think about the kind of character that that takes, the kind of faith that that takes. It says most of the time they're speaking to Jews. However, there were some people, and this is in Acts eleven twenty. There were some of them, you probably noticed this when I read it before, from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, on coming to Antioch, spoke with the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So men from Cyprus and Cyrene. So most of you are familiar with where Cyprus is. It's an island off the coast of Italy, right? So there were Jews there. there now there are people there who have become Christians. Cyrene was in northern Africa. So this is... This is a, a guy from this island near Italy and, a guy from, and, and men from, uh, that are Africans, that are black men. And together, they're speaking about Christ to the Hellenists. And Hellenists is just another word in this vernacular for polytheists. They had many gods. And when I, th- when I think about our world and our community, that is what we are. That's what we have many gods. We fill ourselves up with the things that we worship and if you walk down hell, you can find many gods represented in the people there. These, these people 
these people who were not Jews were taking the gospel to the next level. They were reaching out to the polytheists. And that word got back. And, and those, people were, those polytheists were coming to Christ. And the word got back to Jerusalem, where it's kind of the hub of the church. And the, the leaders there said, hey, we need to send somebody to help them out. Let's send Barnabas. So why did they choose him? Why did they choose Barnabas? So let's look at these characteristics, four of them. The first one is this. Barnabas was available. Barnabas was available. Uh, In verse 22, it says, The the report came to the elders in the church of Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch to go work on the cutting edge of what God was doing in that whole world at that time. Like I said, 300-mile trip. That's a long way on foot. You guys are hikers. You, already, you know how long it could take to walk 300 miles with everything you're getting. And Barnabas actually never came back to Jerusalem to stay. He, was, he went, and then he, like uh, Chris said, he began to work with Paul and, and go to all kinds of different places. But what this tells me, it, it shows me something in his availability. One is that he held his possessions lightly, right? And we find out uh, earlier in the book of Acts that Barnabas had possessions, But if he was holding on to them, he would not have gone. So he must have held his possessions lightly. Another thing is, it shows me that he valued God's building of the church more than he valued his own personal priorities. Like, those were his priorities. His schedule was dictated by what God was doing, not what he was doing for God. Because God called him to do something pretty extreme in that time. Uh, in, in my work at the church I was at before I came here, a lot of what I did was in, engage, engaging people to go into missions, go around the world. And so one of the people that came to me about a year ago uh, who was headed out, was called and, and ready to go, was a girl who had been in my youth group uh, years before. And so she has two children. She's 28 or 30. And her, here's, what her, she, here's what they were going to go do. They're, they're going to Nepal, to Kathmandu, to work with refugees in Kathmandu. So this is like a multiple... You're not just going to learn the language in Nepal. You're going to learn, learn another language the people who are coming to, to be ministered to there and find hope. And I, I was in awe of this girl and her family because of this incredible decision. I mean, the decisions and the sacrifices that they made to go there all were all about this kind of availability thing. And it, and it, made, it made my trials and my decisions to follow God seem kind of small. And she, they're there. She's pregnant with her third child in Kathmandu. And it's just, uh, it's, she's, she has inspired me like that. And it's like Barnabas, she was available. I'm, I'm not suggesting that the only way to be available and to be successful in it is to go 300 miles away or thir- you know, 20,000 miles away. Not, not suggesting that. What I'm saying is there are many opportunities for us to be available to Jesus. And let's consider the example of Barnabas and being available to move into those. 
Okay, so he was available. That's one. Another one is that he's an encourager. He had the gift of encouragement. Now, not all of us have that gift. You know if you don't have the gift of encouragement. And, and you know if your spouse doesn't have the gift of encouragement. So this is one of those things that we don't all, it's not easy for us all to have. Look at verse, uh, actually, we're going to go back to Acts 4. Listen to this, 436. Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was a Levite, a native of Cyprus. He sold a field that belonged to him and bought and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So here's we we see something else about Barnabas is that that's not actually his name. His name is Joseph. And Joseph was called Barnabas, son of encouragement by the apostles. Wouldn't that be cool to be called to be nicknamed by the apostles, the encourager? I mean, this guy's got the gift of encouragement. When you were around him, it must have felt good. You know, he must have built, man, you look great. You know, whatever it was about Barnabas, he's lifting people up and they believed him. You should believe me. And another thing we see, I'm not even going to talk about this, but he was generous. He was, you know, again, you see, he's open with his, with his possessions. And then you see, as we read down in that passage in, uh, back in 11 and verse 23, It says, when he came to Antioch and he saw what God was doing, when he saw the grace of God, he was glad. And there's something about that gift of encouragement that is excited when other people do well. And that's a challenge for us because we like to be doing as well as they are. We want to get the compliment too. But this is one of those pieces that we see just that gets fleshed out in this idea of who Barnabas is, is that he's a guy who can, can be excited about the successes of other people, even though he's in a hard situation. Right? So this isn't a, this isn't a gift that you're suddenly going to get if you don't have it. <laughs> However, it is something that we can talk to God about. And we can bring before him and say, you know, I, 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 Lord, I'm, I'm seeing this and I can see how this gift of encouragement can help build your kingdom, can help bring people to you. Okay, so he's, he's available. He's an encourager. And another place I want to see, show you is that in, in verse 24, it says, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. I want to talk about those two things real quick. When... In this book of Acts, when we see the Holy Spirit moving, the the Holy Spirit is in every believer. There's no doubt about that. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been transformed. However, there's a certain difference in this. And whenever you see in, in Acts so far, the Holy Spirit filling people, they have been anticipating him, anticipating God to do something, looking to him and saying, Lord, what, so remember, we, had, we have two in particular, two places in particular. One is the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, when they're all in a re- Come on, people. Pentecost, that thing. Yes. You are smart also. <laughs> Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down... And they were anticipating, they were waiting for God to do something. 
And then you see, just last week, we talked about Cornelius. And Cornelius is with his, his, his family and friends. And Peter brings the word of God. He tells them about Jesus in their own terms. And the Holy Spirit falls on these people. And they're very moved. And so this also is a place where people are anticipating, right? They're in a posture of anticipation for what God is going to do. They've invited God. They're asking him. And I think that's the posture of a guy named Barnabas, when they looked around and they said, who are we going to send? One of the characteristics of Barnabas is that he was full of anticipation for what God was going to do. He was ready for the Holy Spirit to work. And when people were filled with the Holy Spirit, it was for specific purposes. It was around big things that were happening, big changes in the church. And so, again, you can see Barnabas was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was ready to be engaged in big things that God was doing. Okay, and then about faith. He was full of faith. When when someone is filled with faith, I'm going to read what I wrote here. It says, they see what is eternal as concretely as they see what is temporal. When you're full of faith, you see what is eternal as concretely as we see what is temporal. Current difficulties are put into the real pers- their real perspective because they are weighed against the absolute reality of living hope that we have in Jesus. So Barnabas was full of it, so to speak. He was highly characterized by this faith. Highly characterized by the the they knew that he was able to live for a hope unseen. Uh, this week in our men's Bible study on Friday morning, we talked a lot about that. You guys that were there, we were, li- we were studying a lot about people that were in trial, hard situations. And Peter is saying to them in the place that we're studying, he's saying, you have a living hope. And the only way to know that living hope is through faith. And that faith is in something that is unseen, in Jesus who you have not seen, but you have hope in him. Remember that, guys? And this, I've really tried to wrestle with that personally. Is there in me, do I have that, those eyes that actually see what is to come and what the reality of things are in Christ in that living hope? Or am I focused on the possessions and the worries and my plans for today? And of course, we, all of us who are believers go back and forth between those two things. But Barnabas was full of this side, full of seeing, what, of believing what he could not see. So he's available He's an encourager. He's full of faith. And uh, finally, he was a discipler. And, and that's another word for someone who mentors. Uh, a discipler helps people move forward in their faith. And this is the kind of person Barnabas was. He did this a couple of different ways. 
He directed them to Christ through the things that he said. In verse 23, chapter 11, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose. This is the kind of, uh, this is, if, if we're looking at Barnabas and we look at the way he discipled, and we're just going to see a few things right here, you could write a book about discipling, about helping people move forward in their faith just from this passage. One of those things is to speak the word of truth into people's lives. So when we look at Barnabas and we say, okay, he's a discipler, how does he, how are, what does this characteristic look like? One is that we speak hope in the word of God into people's lives. Here's another thing that he did in, within that discipleship perspective. He took risks on people that, and he invested in people who might not otherwise have been invested in. Because if you remember, Barnabas is the guy who took Saul and introduced him to all the people in the Jerusalem church. And Saul was the guy who was punishing the church and had just converted. And, and uh, Barnabas is the guy who says, hey, I, I'm giving you a chance. I believe in you. I'm going to take you and introduce you to these people. He, would, and he kind of chose the underdog sometimes. Let's, maybe we say it that way. He also, uh, later in the story, he's... He is the guy who goes with Mark when Paul says, Paul, formerly Saul, says, I can't work with Mark anymore. And Barnabas goes with him. He takes risks on people and he invests in people that might otherwise not otherwise be invested in. Another thing, look in verse 25. So Barnabas, this is after everything's going really well. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he'd found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. Barnabas is a guy who didn't have to be the show. It didn't have to all be him. He, he partnered, he brought people in. And, and again, uh, Saul at this point has not been, he's kind of been on the fringes. He's been back in Tarsus. And uh, Barnabas says, you know, what we really need here in Antioch is we need to go get Saul. So Barnabas goes and gets him and brings him in. And they teach for a year. So there's this whole, do you see these different things that, that Barnabas is doing in this mode of discipleship? All of us, y'all, if we're a believer, if you're a believer in this room, you are a mentor or a discipler. You are. You're either doing it well or you're not. So, sorry, it's true for me. The cool thing is that Barnabas, just in his life, just in these few passages, we can see on purpose, he speaks the word into people's lives. He, he takes them, he's, he, he doesn't have to be the show, he invites other people in to, to disciple. We're discipling our children, we're discipling our friends. Guys, you're discipling the guys around you, your family, your women, the people you work with, your family, we're all discipling other people. And we need to do it on purpose. And I think when he, he said, you know what, this is what we need. We've got to do this. I'm going to go get Saul. I'm going to bring him back. And Saul's going to teach these guys. And he's going to be even better than me. And I'm going to be glad about it. Remember, that's part of his heart. So we engage other people in the process, even unlikely people. So it's really a simple thing. And here, here are these things again. Let me run them through. He's available. He's an encourager. He's full of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit and of faith. And he's a discipler. And so, in, and finally, a Getting, getting to the end here, uh, the question that we, I think, naturally ask is, well, that's great, Scott, but how do I do that? How do I, I'm, okay, I, I see all these great things about Barnabas, but what, how am I going to do anything about that? And so I'm going to tell you the answer for once. I don't usually give answers, but I'm going to give one. 
Uh, do you remember Peter last week? We looked at Peter. And Peter's in this, this house, and it's noon. And so it's time for him to go upstairs and get out of the house. He leaves his cell phone behind. He gets up on top, and he spends time with God. That is the answer. God is not going to make you into Barnabas. He's already made you. He's already made me. But when Peter is there, he's set aside time. He's quiet with God. God speaks to him in a way that is a major part of making what Barnabas did later possible. That now the Jews can reach out to Gentiles and any kind of person. And now Antioch is possible. And now this church is possible. And that goes back to Peter saying, it's noon, it's time for me to be with my God. So the, the very first and the very most important thing we can do in order to have the characteristics of a person who actually does build the church, inspire other people to follow him, is not to be that person, but to spend time with God. Be encouraged by the example of different kinds of people that God uses. So just to close, let me encourage you to spend time alone with God. And when you do that, anticipate him to do great things. Be looking to him like those people who are waiting to be filled by the Spirit. And in that, may our hearts be deepened in, in their faith and the ability to see a living hope that is unseen and to live for that. And I, I believe that, I really do believe that we could be on the forefront of incredible things happening even here or in the church like they happened in Antioch. I really think that. Certainly that's God's desire, but he uses people to bring those things to reality. So may, may, may that heart of anticipation, that spirit of anticipation and faith, may those be our characteristics. And I'm going to pray for them right now as we finish. God, I, I come to you with this body and those who, Lord, are believers in here. We just... Uh, we are encouraged by God like Barnabas. And Lord, I would love for us to be a part of something incredible that you're doing. Um, God, we see the, uh, it's easy to be discouraged by the things that we see around us. And we think of ourselves as outsiders and people who uh, don't have a lot of influence. But God, it's not about us. Um, Lord, it is about what you want to do. And so Lord, we just look forward with anticipation to what that might be. Lord, each one of us in here too, God, is a discipler. Each one of us who is a believer, where people are looking at us. Uh, God, and I pray that rather than that be pressure, but be, because we know you, um, we're on purpose seeking ways to move and help them move forward, encourage them, build them up uh, to follow you more fully. And Lord, we just, uh, we offer this day to you, uh, our lives. We walk with you even now as we step out of here. I thank you for this body, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Y'all have a great afternoon. Get some food together and see ya.